We, and our, our catchphrase is, we're taking ground, not just holding ground. We're taking ground. We're pressing in. If you are trying to hold ground, if you're on the back foot trying to keep territory, the chances are in a very short amount, a very space of time, you're going to lose it. But actually, when you're advancing and you're pressing into what God has for you, you'll begin to not only keep it, but actually take more territory and more ground in terms of what God's called us to be. And uh, in Joshua chapter 10, it says this. Come up and help me attack Gibeon. Joshua says to the, 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 the these are actually, this is what, um, this, this particular text in its context is Joshua is taking ground. They've defeated Joshua, uh, Jericho and Ah. And all the other territory, all the other kings and cities in that place are getting a bit worried. And they band together. Five of them band together and, they, and they, they talk to each other. And this is what they say. Come and help me attack Gibeon. He said, this is one of the kings. Because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. And in Joshua chapter 10 verse 20 it says, So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely, but a few survivors managed to reach their fortified cities. Uh, what intrigues me about that this week, you might think, well, Stan, what the are you talking about there? What intrigues me about that, friends, is he doesn't just say, actually, we're going to attack Israel. Or actually, Israel went and attacked them. It says Joshua and Israel went and attacked them. And let us go and defeat Joshua and Israel. Which means this, friends, is that leadership in a community, in a nation, is vitally important to its well-being and in fact actually is part of the attack that it, that is aimed at it is at the leadership not just the nation and so this idea that leadership is actually integral in taking ground a, a, a team of leaders taking ground is absolutely integral in us taking ground together as a community and what I want to do you have friends is this morning I'd love five couples to come up the Tyler's the Wigglies, the Bread and Cumps. Who else is there? <laughs> All of you, come up. Macmillan's, the Menises, come up. And your families, your kids as well, if you want to. That's why I wanted the kids in. So friends, over the last 18 months or so, we have been walking a journey knowing that actually we are called to be a church that raises up leaders and plants churches, and that actually Chris, back in the day, when he planted this church, he only brought elders onto the team that we're going to plant. His vision was actually eldership was a training ground, and actually this church was called to release people and release leaders and to plant churches, and so that was his context that he, would, that he viewed um, eldership in. And over the last 18 months, we have been processing, talking with, walking with, teaching into, asking questions, answering questions with five couples. And these five couples that are standing here are the new elders of Glenridge Church. We believe each of them called by God, each of them, each of them anointed by God for this time. Timing in all of these things is absolutely key. There's probably another five couples that could come onto this eldership team as well that are, that are not coming on now. It is a profound church, this, with the riches of leadership gift and riches of people. 
And uh, it really, really is exciting. Each of them brings a different flavor. Each of them brings a different context. Each of them brings different thinking. Each of them brings different gifts. But together with the existing team, God has called us at this time to spearhead, to set the pace, to provide, to, to provide the momentum and help spearhead what God is doing with us as a community. And friends, it's absolutely exciting. When God starts to add leaders to the church, you know that He's preparing for a bigger inheritance. And in a sense, as the team grows, so the church grows and steps into what God has for us. And this is, this is an absolutely key moment uh, this, this morning as we announce this and next weekend as we lay hands on these couples. I'll talk about that now. I'm going to talk a little bit about eldership. But I want to say, let's say to you, these are men and women that we believe are called. We've processed it with the, with the New Covenant Ministries team in which we are in uh, a partnership with. We spend time with them. I've spoken lots to different guys, and we are, we are absolutely convinced at this time, at this stage, these are the couples that are going to be added to the team for us to step forward into what God has for us. So let's give them another massive round of applause. And we thank you. We thank you for saying yes, and we are really, really excited about that. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. Kids, you can, you can go off. Go in to your kids' ministry, into Shine, and be ministered to. Be a blessing to your teachers just as they go off. I really do want to commend the existing team for their, for their hard work and all that they've done over the last... Glenridge has been in transition in various forms for the, probably the last eight years, from Rory to Ryan, Ryan to us, and Rory and Mel, and to Ryan to Mel, and to Heather and myself. It's been a... It's been, it's been quite a journey of transition and moving and stretching and taking new ground and putting new things in place and all those sorts of things, friends. And to me, what's, what's been amazing is the sense and the, 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 the incredible weight that the existing team have shouldered, have carried, and have pressed through into what God has for us to the point where we see new elders and eldership couples coming onto the, onto the team. Friends, healthy churches produce leaders. Healthy churches, healthy families produce kids that can take care of themselves and, and move forward and, and do life together. And this is an incredibly healthy space to be in, and we're really, really excited. But just to the, to the existing team, I just want to say thank you. Well done. And uh, God has, God's not finished with us ever, friends. And I was saying to the guys uh, and girls earlier on this week or last week, that actually this, this, this eldership journey is a transitional space into more of what God has for us. And there are people, there are men and women of the existing team that are going to be stepping as God loosens their roots a little, as new, new, new couples come on, God can loosen the roots of the existing couples to send them and jettison them, jettison them into different na neighborhoods, into different nations, and, and, and do what we call to do. And so, but it's been an incredible journey of, of banding together, of standing strong and seeing God do what He wants to do with us. So really a massive commendation. And can we just give them a, a round of applause as well in terms of the, all that's been done. So what I want to do this morning is just taking ground needs leaders. Taking ground means leadership. Actually, it doesn't come without that, and it's absolutely integral. In fact, the, the, the leadership of any organization, of any entity, is actually key to its advancement and its success. And whether that's a church or whether that's a business, it needs good leadership. 
and uh, charactered leadership and quality leadership and qualified leadership as the church we're going to see this morning. So what I want to do is I want to take, I want to take a few minutes and literally just talk about this thing called eldership because actually for some of you, it is quite a, we haven't spoken about it since I've been back at the station. And, for, and to just kind of contextualize what this means, why, why does the church need elders? What, what does that mean? What do you do? People come and say to me, what do you do all week? Like it's, surely it's only a Sunday that you're busy. And um, I promise you it's not just the Sunday. Sunday is the easy part. And um, so what I want to do is I want to contextualize that a little for us and, and kind of just unpack some things from the Scriptures so that we can see it in the Scriptures and then get us excited because next week we're going to see one of my last pointers, Acts chapter 14, is, that, is how the lo- translocal team, Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 14, go around to different churches, strengthening and encouraging them in the faith, it says, and appointing elders. So actually the appointment of elders is, the primary responsibility for the appointment of elders is the local elders. The local elders choose, the local elders recognize what's happening and what's going on. But actually we do that in partnership with translocal relationships. And so the NCMI uh, uh, team we're in relationship with, we're in partnership with. And so next week, Tyron Daniel is going to be preaching here in the morning. And that is not just a friendship visit, that's an apostolic moment where we actually listen and we hear God, we open our hearts, and we hear what God's saying as, as, as these gifts come into the, lo- into the church. But not only is he, going to, is he going to speak into us, but actually he's going to help us by the appointing and the laying on of hands of these couples. So next weekend is a massive morning for us. It is a significant, significant moment in the life of Glenridge Church. And if you, if you, if you get there, be here next week um, on Sunday morning. So what, what is this thing called elders? Let's have a look at Philippians chapter 1, if you wouldn't mind going there quickly. Just for some of you, you've heard this a lot before, but for others, you've never heard it. So I'm very aware of that. But so let's just cover all the ground and cover all the bases so that we can be well-grounded in what God is saying and doing through His Word. Let's have a look here. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with all the overseers and deacons, So what we see in that text is that he's writing, Paul is writing to Philippi, to that local context. So he says, to all the saints in Christ and at Philippi. So it's to all the saints at Glenridge, in Christ, at Glenridge, at Durban, in Durban. So he's writing to all the saints. And then he goes on to say, together with the overseers, our overseers, is a, is a word that is interchangeably used with the word pastor and elder in the Scriptures. And we're going to have a look at that now as we just read. I just literally want to take you through the Scriptures, make some comments so that we can give some context to how significant this moment is for us as a church. And so what he does is he says there's to the overseers and the deacons. So there's two tiers of leadership in the life of the church. There's the eldership team and there's the deacon team. Both of those, both of those groups of people Don't lord it over the church. They are called to serve the church. Friends, please can we get into our minds, particularly if you come from different streams of thought. The leaders on the church, of the church, are not the men and women of God that you are to serve. 
That is not the New Testament model. That is never, ever found anywhere in the Scriptures. In fact, it says Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Jesus is our model. So the, the role of leadership or stepping into, into greater degrees of leadership or influence in leadership actually means stepping into greater degrees of servanthood and giving yourself awayhood. That's what it means. And so these two groups of people, the elders or the overseers or the pastors, as they are referred to in the Scriptures, and the deacons take responsibility for the, as the core leadership team to make sure that the church is healthy. And those are the two, the two um, groups of leaders that you see in the life of the local church. But we're going to talk this morning about the overseers or the elders. So if you can turn, please, to Acts chapter 20. Verse 17. Now this is Paul the Apostle right, speaking to the elders of Ephesus. And what he's doing is he's saying, because when he was in Ephesus, actually he was an elder. You see, he was an apostle when he was kind of outside the church. But when he was in the church, he was actually an elder that looked after, take, took care of, and governed in the church. But he had this apostolic translocal call on his life. So he was based at that church, but used to travel from that church. And this is, what, this is what he says to them as he writes to them, because this is very instructional to who we are as an eldership team. This is what it says, from verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. Notice, it is always elders. It's never elder. Eldership is a plural word. It's always in plurality. It's always in a team. I'm going, to, I'm going to speak more about that. But notice that. To the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know, you know how I've lived the whole time. I was with you. You saw me. I wasn't distant from you. You saw me in everyday work. You saw me in my best times. You saw me in my bad times. You saw me. You, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility. One of the greatest characteristics that we look for in eldership teams and elder, eldership leadership is humility. The ability to be a servant. The ability to think of others, not just yourself. Humility. Always learning. Asking more questions and giving answers. Humility. He served with great humility and with tears. So this was not, just a, it was not just a title for him. This was something that was deep in his heart, friends. He had a deep love for these people and a deep love for this, this church in Ephesus. And it, it brought him to tears. He said, I served you with tears. He had a shepherd's heart. Although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews, even though I was under pressure, I loved you and I served you. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. See, the responsibility of the eldership team is not to be the good guys, not to go with the flow. The responsibility of the eldership team is to stand up and preach the Word of God, to preach the gospel unashamedly, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of being unpopular, 
You've got to preach the word. And he says, I didn't hesitate to preach anything that would be helpful to you. You see, role of eldership teams are to be helpful to the people. To preach the word of God so that it would be helpful. Publicly and from house to house. So it's both from the stage and, for, and around the dining room table. That's why as an eldership team, we've got to have a love for people. Because it's not about just being a public meeting on a Sunday. It's about getting around each other's dining room tables and the coffee tables and ministering to each other in ones and twos and threes and small groups and big groups publicly on a Sunday. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn from God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not, he's not partial to one group of people. You see, the role of elders is to oversee the whole church. Not just the black people or the white people or the rich people or the poor people. All people. Jews and Greeks, all people. Got to have a heart for all the people. What's, what's helpful for all the people is the role of an eldership team. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me be, be there. You see, the faith that Paul has in his heart, he has a, has a heart for the local, but he's also got this heart to go, this heart. Part of the role of the elders is to be responsible for the missional intent of the life of the church. We've got a, the eldership team has got to set the pace in the missional life of the church, in the spreading out, in the going out of the gospel. It's absolutely key. What the leadership doesn't have in it, the church won't have in it. If the, elder, if the leadership team, if the eldership team is in unity, the churches will be in unity. If the, if, the, if the eldership team has got faith and wanting to see God move and hungry for more of the presence of God and wanting to see churches planted and leaders released and the city influenced, then the church will be that as well. And that's why we need a bigger team because actually God is bringing growth, God is bringing increase, and God is calling us to the nations. And some of these faces that you see here today are not going to be with us in a year's time or two years' time because they're going to go. They're called to go. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task of the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that, none of you among, know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim the whole will of God, part of the teaching responsibility. Can I just say this around this teaching responsibility? The teaching responsibility of the local church is the eldership's duty, not the apostles, not the translocal team. The translocal team is there to come and release and be an Ephesians 4 gift to the church to help equip and release people for the works of service. And we can have translocal team members in the life of the church, but the, the primary responsibility for the health of the local church is the job of the eldership team. And that's why he says, I want you to preach the whole will of God, not parts of the will of God, not parts of the scriptures and exclude some of them, the whole will of God, the whole, pre the whole counsel of God, all of the scriptures. Where am I now? There. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Keep watch over yourself. He says to them, I want you as an eldership team, I want you to keep watch over yourselves first. Because if you can't watch yourself, how are you going to watch anybody else? Friends, this concept, this, this, this understanding that what you don't do at home, you're not going to do in the city. 
So we can go on, we can go to prayer meetings, we can go to events, we can go to conferences, and we can be, we're going to take the city and we're going to, we're going to minister, we're going to be a, we're going to do church diversity and, and we're going to do the signs and wonders and miracles in the city. Friends, if it's not happening at home, it's a lack of integrity to say that we're doing it out there. It happens at home and then spills out into there. And so what he does here is he says here, he says, actually, um, uh, why did I say that? Keep watch over yourselves. We've got to watch, keep a watch over our own people. We've got to keep a watch over our own hearts because there's no point following people that's not following God. The reason why you follow these, these, this, you can follow this team is because they are following Jesus in relationship with Jesus, intimately trying to hear him, reading the word of God, being instructed, being changed, watching their own hearts, being changed themselves first. Keep a watch over yourselves, he says to them. And all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Keep a watch over yourselves and everybody else. You see, friends, this moment next Sunday when Tyron comes and lays hands and appoints these guys and girls onto this team is a work of the Holy Spirit. And we've got to believe that. That's why it's been an 18-month journey with them. Because we're trying to say, God, who is it that you have for now? Qualified leadership, qualified socially, qualified domestically in their families, qualified spiritually in their own walks with God, in their own work, uh, marriages. Holy Spirit comes upon couples and says, I want to make you part of the senior leadership team of a local church, the eldership team. He says there, be shepherds of the church of God. Be shepherds. Not bosses, not lords, shepherds. It's like you're looking after the, sh the sheep. Like these are sheep that you are, that you are, and the Bible says that the hireling runs away from the, 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 the lion and the bear when, when they come. But actually the one that loves the sheep, the one that is the shepherd of the sheep, runs into the lion of the bear to protect the sheep. And part of the life, the role of an elder is to bring to protection to the sheep, to the flock of God. And remember this, it is the flock of God. It's not the flock of Stan and Heather. This church is not my church. This church is God's church. And we give an account as under shepherds to him, the great shepherd for this church. And we will answer to him when one day, when he says to them, what did you do? How did you treat my people? How do you, how do you look after my flock? This is a very significant moment and a very weighty thing in the kingdom of God which he bought with his own blood. You see, we didn't, we didn't pay for this church and you, your view and the people that God's bringing to this church with our blood. He paid for it with his blood. And we're always frightfully aware that, Jesus, this is your church that you are building. We are just those that are stewarding what you are doing and bringing order to what you are doing so that heaven can come to earth in a powerful way. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he has brought with his own blood. I know that after I leave you, savage wolves will come in and, and among you and will not spare the flock. Part of the job of an elder is to protect bad doctrine, bad people that come to undermine and attack the sheep is the image that he uses there. So, so he says, so be on your guard. Remember that for th three years I never stopped warning each of you day and night. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace which can, be, uh, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. 
He makes specific intent, friends. This thing that the man of God is the richest guy in the church is an absolute load of hogwash, friends. And it is rough in our nation. He says to them there, I've not covered it silver or gold or clothing or anything. I've not asked you for anything. I've not asked you for anything. This is not about me. This is about Jesus and his people. And I've stepped away from that and outside of that. This is not about money. It's not about prestige. It's not about fancy clothes. Friends, this flies in the face of so much of what's happening in the, in the church in South Africa and around the world now. It's not fancy cars. It's not fancy clothes. It's not fancy salaries. It's people that are dedicated to the life and the will of God for their people and are willing to sacrifice and do what they're called to do without hesitation because of the love for people. You yourselves know that these hands of mine supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. He, went to the, he got to the place where he thought, actually, you know what? It's unhelpful even to take a salary from this church. Actually, I will take care of myself so that I don't want any disputes. I don't want anybody pointing fingers. Oh, my conscience needs to be clear about that. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Coming on to the eldership team for these couples, for us as a team, is hard work. It's meetings with people. It's meetings together. It's more meetings, togetherness, more celebrating, more worshiping, more working, more. It's hard work. It's hard work. And he says, I didn't hesitate to, you, I showed you by my hard work. And it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I think he's, he's speaking there particularly financially because he was working. Let's have a look at Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. The reason I left you in Crete, verse 5, was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So Paul is now writing to Timothy, uh, to Titus, and he says, I'm leaving you there that you can straighten things out and, and put what was unfinished, make what was unfinished finished, and appoint elders. So you see, friends, this, this, this appointment of an eldership team, but this was the early years of the church, was already a well-established thing that churches would be led by eldership teams. He called the elders. The money would be given to the elders to distribute. It's all sorts all over the scriptures in many different ways. I'm not going to get to all of them now. But just then he says, I want you to straighten out what was left unfinished. When you do a church plant and there's only one of you, there's you planting and you're growing a church and there's only one eldership couple, what happens is you actually help the eldership. That eldership couple needs to be in relationship with others, other elders and other people around them so that they cannot just be one on their own, so that they can be a team until more leaders are raised up in the local church that can become elders and become part of that team. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. You see, friends, our family, our domestic qualifications of, as an eldership team are key. Finances in order, kids in order, in some semblance of order, I say that hesitantly. (laughs) 
Since an overseer is trusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage one another by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. This is, there's a specific, there's qualifications, there's moral qualifications, there's spiritual qualifications, there's domestic qualifications, all become part of the package. And the reason why there's domestic qualifications, friends, is that the church is a family. If your family's out of order, you can't lead the family of God. The idea that you can have affairs as a leader or an elder of a church, get a slap on the wrist and carry on ministering as though nothing happened, is absolutely so contrary to Scripture, friends. This is a big thing. This is a big thing. Because actually what you do at home is what's gonna, what you're going to release out there. In our own families, in our own local church, and in the context of the world and the city that we live in. Let's have a look at one more text. 1 Peter chapter 5. These are all classic texts around eldership and... To the elders among you, I love that, among you. I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. He says to them, be shepherds. Think like shepherds. Think like the whole flock. Think, you, you've got to see the individual, but you've got to think of the, of the whole flock. You've got to be able to connect with the individual, but you've got to be thinking about where is this whole flock eating? What is it eating? Where is it drinking from? Where is it going to drink? And pointing them towards green grass and fresh water. That's what he says. Be a shepherd. Warding off, keeping away, protecting, guarding. All that a shepherd does. Serving as overseers. There we go. So you have the word shepherds, pastor, and overseer. There's that word overseer. Episcopos is the word from which we would get our word bishop from. So nowhere in the scriptures do you have bishops and kind of a pecking order. Actually, they're all the same office. Shepherd, pastor, bishop, overseer, all the same, two, two, they're the same, they're the same, uh, the same uh, referring to the same person. There's another word, elder. When it uses the word elder, that's called presbyteros. Which is, which is then that all three of those words are used interchangeably of the same office, of the same, of the same uh, person. So he says, they're serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Well, there you have it right there. Because you are willing this is not a forced thing. This is not because you have to think. This is because I have a desire in my heart to serve God's people at a greater level, at a greater sense, and, and fulfill the call of God in my life as an, as, as an elder to take these people into what God has for them. It's not about me. It's about them. As God wants you to be, he says, not greedy for money. There it is again. Not fine clothes and fine cars and not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over. Not beating people with a stick. 
but being examples, he goes on to say, but being examples to the flock. So actually, leadership in the church is example, servanthood, leadership. It's not a go over there. It's come here, follow me. Where I go, you go. If I don't go there, you don't go there as a leader. This is the idea. This is the, the, the example-based leadership in the life of a local church and in the life of the kingdom. And when the chief shepherd appears, he will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Remembering this, we always remember this as, as an eldership team, as a leadership team, is that actually the chief shepherd will appear, and he must get the glory, not us. We're not going to get the glory. He's going to get the glory. And we're going to be answerable to him directly for his people that he paid for his blood. And so this thing is done with humility, with a sense of listening, with a sense of walking with God, and saying, God, what do you have for this group of people? What are you saying to us now? And being faithful to disseminate that and to teach the whole counsel of God so that people can grow up and become mature and complete in God. So, elders are to love the flock. The first job of the eldership team is love, is care, to encourage people with the gospel. The second job of an eldership team is to feed, is to teach. All elders, it says in 1 Timothy, must be able to teach. So in other words, I'm not, I don't think that means publicly, but you've got to be able to teach. You've got to be able to, to, to teach others. If you can't make disciples, you can't be an elder. You can't do what Jesus did all of his life, all the last three years of his life, as he entered ministry, was to make disciples. If you can't make disciples, you've got nobody following you. If you've got nobody following you in your path, influencing others, taking people towards Jesus, can't be an elder. Got to love the people. Got to feed the people. Got to protect the church. Protect the church in prayer. Got to take, protect the church in dealing with difficult people and dealing with uh, refuting uh, bad theology and dissidents and all that sort of stuff. Part of the job of the eldership team is to protect the church. Not called to be Mr. Nascar. Called to do what God's called us to be and lead by faith. You've got to lead the church. Love the church, feed the church, protect the church, and lead the church. Rule, the words in 1 Timothy chapter 5, it says, those who rule over the church of God. So there's a leadership edge, there's a leadership mandate on the eldership team, but it's the leader of, it's, the, it's shepherd leadership, not headmaster leadership, not lording over leadership, it's servant leadership, but there is leadership, friends. Those four things, and I believe in that order, if you don't love the sheep and you don't feed the sheep, you've got no right to lead the sheep. The reason why we are able to lead and we hope that you are following us is because we're loving you in some way in the form of the community. It's not all me and it's not all the team. It's actually as a community, we love each other and we care for one another and we feed each other. We do equipping, we do teaching. We, we, from the front, we worship together. We feed each other. We feed the sheep. We protect the sheep and then we lead the sheep. It's a phenomenal privilege to be an elder, but a phenomenal responsibility of all. It is normative for the healthy local church to have elders that come from within. Not always. 
One of the great gifts to this church has been Drew and Megan Land and their family. They came from outside this church. And there are others that will come from outside this church. But friends, I want to tell you the healthy that God will transplant in a sense for a specific purpose. But I want to tell you it's healthy for a local church to be producing its own leaders and not relying on external leaders to come. That's why it talks about it right through those uh, texts that I read. Paul and Barnabas, we'll see now in Acts chapter 14, appoints, appoints elders that are in the church. They're among the people already. People are recognizing them. Please remember this, friends, that eldership is a function, not a title. It's a function, not a title. If you're not eldering, you're not an elder. Which means that when you get lands, hands laid on, you're appointed and set up to be elders and recognized by the congregation, recognized by God, recognized by the existing eldership team, and recognized by the translocal team, those that are outside of us. Absolutely key to be recognized from outside of us because we have blind spots. What I was going to say now. Function, title. Those are all, those are because we're functioning like that, which means, friends, that as soon as you stop functioning or you can't function like that, all of the, the, these new couples are going to be marketplace. They're not going to be paid by the church. Part of, part of the responsible, part of the, the working through that is, have you got time to be an elder? Have you got time? If you haven't got time, which means you can't function, you should be stepping back and saying, you know what, this is not a season that I should be stepping into this because it's a function. I'm unable to function for this legitimate reason. Actually, let me step off. I can step back in again. And there's got to be fluidity to the eldership team in that, in that sense. Because actually, as a marketplace person, you have busy seasons, you have not so busy seasons, and there's moments and there's times and family and all sorts, health, etc., etc. And friends, we've got to have the maturity as elders to say, you know what, I'm not functioning like I should. Let me step back for a couple of years or whatever it is and let me step back in again. There should be the fluidity of that. Because unless, it's a, unless you're functioning, you're not doing it. It's not a title, it's a, it's a function. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders from with, from, from, uh, for them within each church. There's, they come from within the life of the church. The qualifications for an elder is not seminary school. Qualifications for an elder is not being a good communicator. Qualifications for an elder is not being sp sp very spiritually gifted or operating in your gift phenomenally. That's not the qualifications of an elder. The qualifications of an elder is not the person with the big bucks. It's not the person that's been at the church forever. That's not the qualifications for eldership in the life of, a, of the church, according to the New Testament. Rather, it is because you are called, anointed, gifter, and gifted for the task. And you are functioning in the task, and you are, your character and your family life and all of that stuff is in place. That's the qualifications for eldership. Just in the list of 1 Timothy chapter 3, there's only one outside of the one place where it says, able to teach. The rest is all around character, friends, not around gifting. The qualification for elders is character. Walk with Jesus spiritually. It's a spiritual office that needs spiritual men and women to fulfill it. 
It's quite amazing. Actually, turn to John chapter 7, verse 15. I haven't seen this text for a long time, and I, it's good for us to remind ourselves. In Acts chapter 4, the Pharisees look at, at, at Peter and the team, and they say, who are these guys? They're unschooled, ordinary men. What, what, are, they, what are they about? You see, the qualifications for, for eldership is not schooling. It is training. You've got to be trained, but it's not schooling. It's not a piece of paper. It's not a degree. It's actually a heart thing. It's, is your heart formed in Christ? Is your heart ready to take on? Of course, we've got to have Scripture. We've got to, have, we've got to be able to refute. We've got to have good theology. So part of the, the reality of it is that we've got to be growing continually in our theological quotient, because otherwise, how are you going to refute those that come against you, as according to Titus? But friends, it doesn't, it doesn't have to mean doesn't mean you have to have a, 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 a university degree or something like that. Look at John chapter 7, verse 14. Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. So Jesus now gets up to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having studied? This is Jesus. What is this guy? How come this guy's so learned and yet he hasn't studied, he hasn't got a formal qualification? You see, friends, the qualification for eldership is way more profound than that. It's got to do with character. It's got to do with anointing. It's got to do with timing. It's got to do with love for people. It's got to do with many of these things that are issues of the heart. It's always in plurality. It's always in plurality, friends. We operate as a team. We do operate with a team with a leader, but it is a team. And I want to say this as well. I have to say this, and it's not popular. I'm not going to be popular when I say this. But because, and, I'm not, and I haven't got time to unpack this, because it, and it needs to be unpacked. But I believe this, is that eldership in the New Testament is male. So all the way along, you've heard me say couples and together and men, a husband and wife, because I think that's also biblical, because actually... In the family model, a husband has a role to play and a wife has a role to play. In the church family, the, the, the men have a part to play and the women have a part to play. And on the eldership team, friends, and on the eldership team, men are governing, protecting, and are first in front, and women and, the la- and their wives together with them are taking the church forward. I can't do the job without Heather. Bible says this, he gave Adam a suitable helper. Suitable means like but different. Similar but different, very different. And a helper like God was to Israel. It's not an assistant. Our wives are not our assistants. Our wives are like God was to Israel. You can't get the job done without them. There's this incredible oneness in, a, in an eldership team and in the marriages that you can't distinguish between them in many ways. So it's a little bit schizophrenic because the way we function is husbands and wives together in eldership team meetings. Decisions being made, contributing voice by all husbands and wives, but when it comes to protecting, when it comes to taking forward, when it comes to playing our role, friends, as men, we've got to play our roles. In our homes, starting in our homes, one of the great tragedies of our age is the father, fatherlessness that's across our, across our nation. And it's part of that is because men are not being men. They're not laying their lives down. They're not serving self-sacrificially. Actually, they're taking the role of boys, not men. And what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to model something different. 
So even though I speak like that, you'll see us here, women preach, women can do anything in the life of this church. And I trust that nobody, no woman, will ever, ever be limited in what they can do in the life of this church. And that is not popular. I wish I could. I wish I had the conviction to do what the rest of the world is saying at the moment around gender equality and all that sort of stuff. I really wish I could. But by, by conviction, I'm not there. And friends, people can have different con uh, uh, realities around that. But I trust that every person in this church, young to old, male to female, black to white, can play their role in this church according to what God has for them, no matter what. Because actually my role is to make sure that that is the case. So lastly, Acts chapter 14. I'm really going for too long here. Acts chapter 14. I want to end with this. Acts chapter 14. Where are we? Yeah. Verse 21. They preached the good news in the city and won a large number of disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch and strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So Paul and Barnabas are going and, and then they're appointing these new, these new, these new people into their, into their posts and into their, into their place. This is where we start to see that actually the appointment or the, the laying, the endorsing, the recognition, the, the endorsement of the recognition is done with the eldership team the local eldership team, but together with the translocal team, Paul and Barnabas. For us next weekend, that is Tyron and Nicole Daniel. They lead the NCMR team, of which we relate to. And these five couples, together with Grant Crawford and, and others that we've spoken to with them, that team has recognized that actually these, these couples are ready for the task at hand. And so there's a great safety and a great uh, settledness in my heart around that. And so next weekend is a phenomenal, phenomenal time, friends. And I want to entrust that we are here to celebrate and endorse what God's doing through Tyron, receive the word that he carries that will strengthen us in the gospel, but also look at the, and, and receive the appointments that are going to happen over that time. It's absolutely phenomenally exciting, friends. These are good days. These are exciting times. And I trust that we will rejoice and that we will get behind and that we will step into what God has for us. Because I think promotion in God comes across the community, not just for a few. And it's very exciting. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, Father, I ask you to be with us. I ask you to put your hand upon us. More and more, Lord God. Reveal, release. Thank you for this team. Thank you for the team that is growing, Lord God. Thank you for the health that is coming, Lord God, the health that exists, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that you would, you would, you would excite and enthuse those that are still going to be coming onto this team, Lord. And I pray that the existing team, and the, as, we, as we ship out in many respects and uproot our roots and, and, and step into the nations, Lord God, there will be a flow of leadership that comes through this church into the nations, that will be phenomenal. 
I thank you for every single one of these new eldership couples and their families, Lord. They are all significant gifts, all 10 of them, incredibly gifted men and women, Lord. And I pray that you, they would bless this church, and I pray that they would release your spirit in this church in a phenomenal way, Lord. I thank you for faith, I thank you for courage, and I thank you for your blessing over us as a community, Jesus. In your amazing, amazing name. Father, I pray for next weekend with Tyron that there would be a, like, a, like a thunderbolt into the life of this church, Lord, like a, a release from heaven, Lord God, into the life of this church. And we want to receive him with open hearts and open hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Amen. Bless you guys.